Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning, everyone. It's, uh, well, we're back. It's post-holiday Rochester Today. Tom Ostrom and Andy Brownell. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Andrew. Happy New Year. Yeah, and you too. <laughs> so, um... Been busy, uh, busy couple weeks with the holidays for most folks. I hope everybody uh, is well. No illnesses and no, uh, well, you know, no tragedies. Everybody hopefully traveled safely. I did know of a few people who got stuck at airports well, uh, around Christmas time with all the weather, but everybody did make it safely home eventually. But, but that, that is the case with your family. You know, that just happens every year, Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's yeah. a gift in airports <laughs> so, but that's too bad hope nobody got hurt i'm still uh yeah uh, i predicted it did, did i not with yes yes the green bay packers that they would get their act together near the end of the year whether or not they got it together enough is still an open question mark but the vikings looked absolutely horrible yeah you predicted uh rogers inevitable renaissance and Viking ups and downs and possible decline. And the, the Packers did to them what they did to the Packers earlier in the season. It was just devastating. Uh, and Cousins mentioned we just didn't get started as fast as they did, and they kept going. And well, so They never got started Vikings, at all. The Vikings can be in the playoffs, I guess, if they win their next game. Oh, they're but, in. Yeah. They're in. You'll see. I, I'm sorry. It'll, I'm I'm sorry. I meant to say the Packers. Yeah, the Packers. Yeah, they control their own destiny. If they win, they're in. Yeah. Uh, if they lose, things get complex. But uh But the Vikings lost their what first seed? They'll be second seed, or they lost their second. Yeah, seed? Yeah, they lost their chance at first seed. Is what they yeah. lost. Yeah. Well, that was something, all right, to watch. Yeah, yeah, something. That's that's a that's a kind word for it. Yeah. And, and this is probably my fault. Ultimately, because I started to feel a little optimism, just just a little optimism about the postseason, and now I'm back into being a negative Nelly or whatever you want to say. Okay. So yeah, life as a Vikings fan, what can you do? Yeah. Well, the Packers had a roller coaster too. That's just part of the game. Yeah, I know, but you guys have this Rogers guy who. Has a limitless supply of rabbits that he pulls out of his hat, uh, and I think he's been training his receivers uh, uh, and his defense, uh, at least receivers, to, to get coordinated. It's probably working by now. Well, the one thing I will say is that if we do have to face the Packers in the playoffs, I'm glad we got our really bad game out of the way because your odds of beating a conference or a divisional rival three times during the same season is next to nothing. So we got the loss out of the way. Mm -hmm. It's more than next to nothing. I know I'm exaggerating, but it's pretty steep odds to take on a division rival and beat them three times the same year. So that should give me a little bit of optimism if we have to face the Packers in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Enough lamenting. Lamenting. <laughs> yeah, I know you're not, but I am. So, what's in the mailbag? Uh, from Mar, uh, from Margolis. 
political cartoonist, satirist. It shows Hunter Biden on Santa Claus's lap. And Biden is saying to Santa Claus, I really could use a new laptop. (laughs) 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 And then from uh, Babs, Nevada Babs uh, (laughs) and Nevada Dan uh, are a couple in the... uh, She's depressed. She said, the new year does not look heartening politically. Uh, I've spent decades praying, voting, donating, expounding, but the politicians seem to get more corrupt, even church leaders and charity leaders uh, with corruption. I know there are patriots that might pull this together one day with the help of God, but uh, I just can't waste too much more energy on this. And uh, I just hope things uh, straighten out. You keep the face, though, Professor. My husband's more optimistic than I am and more cheerful. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, these environmentalists, uh, they they wanted to cut out the uh, fossil fuels and everything else. And the uh, oil workers up here, uh, up in uh, Alaska, um, they were outraged by environmentalists. And they said, well, with the pipelines closing, uh, in the dark, these environmentalists might suffer and wish we had our more oil. But anyway, as she said, oh, I heard today from the guy that sat in for the people that replaced uh, Rush Limbaugh. I think his name was Jason Lewis from your Minnesota. And she, uh, he said, uh, talk about stagflation, inflation. Uh, they said, he said, uh, Jason Lewis said, if you weren't around when Jimmy Carter was president, you're going to get a second chance. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I hope not. I hope not for my children's sake that they don't. I hope they don't have to go through that. Yeah, and then uh, KLS and I a while back were talking about the series of Western movies and Gunsmoke that uh, was on the air for 20 years. Matt Dillon, the, the Marshal, and his interesting cast and the great stories of optimism and people the good guys winning and uh i told uh, uh kls that randy's gonna share his view he's been thinking about gun smoke and its popularity it's still on the air on the western movie channels and on some other channels uh the insp channel and i said to kls randy's have been thinking about it and he's gonna try to explain why Gunsmoke was so popular, and she said, I'll be looking forward to it. And from Randy analyzing it, Tom, uh, I know you and uh, another mailbagger mentioned the old television shows like Gunsmoke. (laughs) Yes, that was from an era where authority was respected. Those holding positions of power earned that respect. Uh, Those that committed crimes would be held accountable. Uh, and uh, Matt Dillon would get his man and put him behind bars. It's not the case today. Uh, Certain people with the wrong politics are vilified and punished by the Department of Justice. Uh, Others that are on the right political party uh, uh, escape justice. The criminals are glorified and enabled. We're supposed to feel sorry for them. Corruption in all institutions. Those guilty of wrongdoing aren't held to account. Uh, unless they're of the right political party. And uh, Norman Rockwell paintings are are the past and beautiful, but uh, the marshal can no longer be counted upon to get his man. Uh, We're a country yearning for modern heroes. 
Let's hope they ride into town soon. So. No. <laughs> so, uh, like I say, I enjoy the program and its cast, and that's the mailbag. You know, the, the waiting for the modern hero, um, I think that is uh, very accurate. I think there's a large segment of the population of this country who wishes uh, for somebody to be able to ride in on that white horse and and somehow elevate us above this swamp that we're in nowadays and I, and I'm not really referring to Trump swamp but the just the partisan infighting viciousness that we're experiencing today that doesn't seem to accomplish anything other than further divide us as a nation and I think mm-hmm. I think there's a great deal of yearning for that I think that's that's interesting okay that is it for the mailbag right Yes. Okay. We have plenty of other things to talk about, so we'll take a break and we'll begin talking about those things in a moment. Right here on Rochester Today, News Talk, 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. This is the Family Service Rochester Mental Health. Lee Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk, 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back to Rochester Today, 2023. I'm having a hard time. Every year it's the same thing, but you know, remembering to write the new year down whenever you and I every time I look at it, I go twenty twenty three. Holy cow! How did it get to be twenty twenty three? Yeah, I remember looking at dread, going, "Oh my goodness, the real nineteen eighty four is approaching." Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's ancient history now. Oh gosh. Well, speaking of the new year, the uh, changing of the government taking place today. Yesterday, uh, Governor Walls was sworn in along with uh, Attorney General Keith Ellison, uh, our Secretary of State, and what is it, State Auditor all got sworn in to office. And today, the new members of the Minnesota Legislature will take the oath of office as the 2023 session convenes in St. Paul. And I think they, the stat I saw in it was one-third of the members of the state house and senate are rookies Mm. so there's quite a big churn because there were uh, numerous democrats veteran democrats and veteran republicans who retired uh last year so regardless you have this new membership flowing into the capitol with new ideas and uh well they may not be new ideas there's not a lot of new ideas being professed nowadays but um changed ideas from their predecessors mm-hmm. obviously democratic control of both the house and the senate and uh, the governor's post will um, make for a dramatically different session i think you're going to see really really quick action on some of the issues uh, the governor is saying that he expects legalized recreational marijuana in minnesota by the month of may so weirdly enough, that one's on the fast track. <laughs> you, you made a funny face when I said that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, my funny face. I still don't understand how he got reelected to the governor with the crime and the COVID um, and, and the issues uh, uh, and, and the missteps. Uh, it's just uh, this blue state is so blue they don't even think when they vote, I think. but uh, Well, the weird thing is it's not that blue it's blue in the population centers the rest of the state 
is increasingly red. The, the rural areas and yeah. even that Duluth blue area with the miners, uh, the the uh, uh, the folks that make America work, the hardworking folks, they're getting increasingly uh, uh, red too. So with this election, the one thing I'm watching for with a little bit of trepidation, there's a lot I'm actually watching for with a little bit of trepidation because if uh, this legislature and governor take a record-setting budget surplus of $17. billion and create a whole bunch of new long-term spending for the state of Minnesota, I'm very, very worried about the effects of that two to three years down the road, sure. four years down the road, when uh, all of a sudden the revenues are not coming in the way they're coming in now. That's right. We end up having to uh, raise taxes even further. But I'm also worried that as a result of this election, too much of the power is going to be centered in the Twin Cities and the needs of uh, the rest of the state That's will right. be largely ignored. And the teachers unions are, are demanding a big chunk of that surplus too, we notice. Uh, um, I have a long list here we don't have time to go into now, but uh, I got most of it off the KROC News website over the last few days. And my admiration again for the paramedics, the ambulance drivers, the firefighters, the police who are out in this horrible, horrible weather serving the public and, and many uh, uh, firefighters and police and paramedics uh, doing their job, which is always tough in this weather, in this dangerous weather. And there have been several injuries across the state, including Rochester, in those professions. And my hat's off to these people, how they, how they do what they do. I saw the pictures of that horrible fire that happened in Spring Grove right before Christmas. And it was really cold. The wind chills were 40, minus 40 or colder. And those firefighters were out that entire night yeah. spraying cold water on a burning building. And, uh, uh, yeah, hats off to them, that's for sure. And then you mentioned injuries. They had a really close call up in the Twin Cities at a house fire where uh, a person did die in the house fire, but a firefighter, the floor broke, the fire weakened the floor enough that the firefighter fell through the floor. And that was a very perilous situation. They were lucky to get that firefighter out. You bet. You bet. Hats off to all of them. Uh, Powerline, John Hinderaker. Everybody knows that the people are abandoning blue states like California and New York and moving to red states like Florida and Texas. The same phenomenon is working in smaller states on a reduced scale. Take Minnesota. For the last seven years, my organization has been documenting the net outflow of residents and especially taxpayers. That's happening in New York, too. The governor there said, if you don't like it here, go to the red states. But now she's figuring out that the people that are leaving New York, and for that matter, California, are the taxpayers, the wealthy taxpayers. That's what they're losing. So the governor of New York pleaded for the people to come back. But it's happening in Minnesota, evidently, from 2021 to 22. Uh, almost 20,000 Minnesota residents left for other states. Uh, and uh, in the past, often we receive more residents coming in. And, and why are the losses? Uh, they figure the high taxes and the crime 
um, and maybe sometime the weather too to go back to go to these red states. But there is a a blue state exodus, and uh, they say even uh, in in Minnesota. And yet I read another article that said Minnesota's gaining population. I didn't understand the details. But anyway, uh, Minnesota has lost population. And uh, not just Minnesota in the Midwest. Our surrounding neighbors have also lost population. In fact, I think they have lost population at a quicker pace than we have. Um, I think there's more job opportunities here than there are in some of our neighboring states. So I think that's mitigated part of it. But I do think that especially people my age and older that there is an exodus going on. I've seen my own experience. Many of the uh, my peers have chosen when they have the economic ability to do so move to a warmer climate with the added advantage of lower taxes. I'm sure that played a, a role in it. And interesting enough, you met, mentioned New York. I, I read an article. I did read a couple articles over this holiday period. I tried to avoid news as much as possible, but um, the exodus of the wealthy uh, Upper East Side person in New York uh, who is taxed very handsomely to pay for all of the amenities within New York City and the state of New York uh, they're finally feeling the pinch from that loss of tax revenue. And within the New York assembly, I think one of the answers was to increase taxes on the rich. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, do we have time for another Minnesota? We do one more. The police officers Federation of Minneapolis, according to Al Alpha news issued a rebuke of the city's woke teachers union following its decision to criticize an intern program and I read it, and I don't understand the teacher's logic here. They're so political. Uh, that would have added more diversity to the local law enforcement workforce and uh, and, and uh, would increase their pay. And, and the teacher's union is against it. They're not pleased with it. Uh, they don't like the youth police recruitment program. They say it's a misuse of funds. And here, again, it's to get more police on the beat but get people of different uh, cultural backgrounds into police work and the and the federation doesn't understand it uh, they say we want to diversify the union doesn't like it uh, they still want a weakened police force they're against this program uh, again the woke i think most teachers are dedicated sensible people they're not woke but their their union leadership certainly is uh on a related note, the Rochester School Board later today uh, will be taking up a resolution that calls for the hiring of an additional school resource officer. So adding another cop into the Rochester schools while up in the Twin Cities, you have this taking place. So <laughs> I like the uh, the uh, difference in perspective there. Um, yeah. We do have to take a break for news already. Tom Ostrom is here. I'm Andy Brownell. We will return with more of Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Did you know you can get your Rochester Today? You mentioned uh, the Vikings and the Packers earlier, Tom, and uh, we failed to mention the horrible situation that arose during last night's Monday night game with the Buffalo Bills player who 
who knows, took a blow to his chest and disrupted his heart somehow, got up, collapsed, went into cardiac arrest right there on the football field. They performed CPR and gave him oxygen. He is in critical condition today, at least the last I heard. And I know um, everybody's prayers are going out to him and his family. It's you know, a very, very young man. Uh, who And who knows how this happened, but it did. And it's nothing, you know, it's not what you expect to witness while you're being entertained on a Monday evening. That's for sure. That's right. Terrible. Uh, the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, has affirmed Title 42, the Trump era policy where uh, refugees would stay in Mexico until the court could hear their asylum seeker uh, requests. Uh, KROC uh, uh, listener Phil was pleased with the decision, but he said all nine justices should have voted for it, not a split decision. Ironically, a conservative justice voted uh, uh, for the minority to, to uh, get rid of Title 42. And I've read Gorsuch's logic and I don't understand it. Uh, he's arguing that, uh, that evidently that uh, that the court shouldn't be deciding those issues that the legislature should, and I don't understand why. But, but anyway, uh, Title 42 for a while remains. Well, actually, I think his point's well taken that he's trying to throw this whole debate back to where it should be within the halls of Congress rather than executive orders. I mean, this we should have our elected officials crafting an immigration policy that actually works instead of the system we have now, which is complete nonsense. So I, I suspect he was protesting the lack of action on immigration by the U.S. Congress. Yeah, well, that certainly makes sense. Uh, but, you know, uh, but this uh, illegal immigration flow, I read where one of the sports announcers lost his job because he used the word illegal immigration uh, on the air, uh, kind of criticizing illegal uh, immigrants. Uh, uh, and and he lost his job. You just can't have free speech anymore. People can't give their opinions anymore on, on things. But the Texas National Guard has built two miles of razor wire border fencing. And if you look at it, it's huge. You can't climb over it. And if you try, you'll cut yourself badly. And then they're also uh, putting border barriers in place. So between the Texas National Guard and this 42 decision, Title 42 decision, it is already, and then they're putting barriers in the open spaces too. The governor of Texas has just had enough of this stuff. Um, and it has cut uh, those two things have really cut the flow of, uh, of um, illegal immigration across the border. It's working, but if you look at, if you look at that razor wire, my God, it's formidable. I'm expecting uh, the liberals to try to stop that in court. Well, I'm sure it's stymieing the flow in that particular area, but it probably shifted it to another part of Texas or another part of Arizona. Um, the one thing that you know you you said about the announcer on the football or whatever sports it was that was lost, lost this person's job and, and and i don't know if he was even actually criticizing illegal immigrants it was the 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 phrase. influx of people illegally yeah. because i i can't even possibly blame the people who are trying to get into this country if i was to live if i 
was coming from Venezuela, um, Honduras, a number of other places. I'd want to get out of Dodge, too, and find a place where my family could have uh, greater opportunities. So, I, but to have a policy that we have today where apparently it's just wide open, we have no ability to decide who is entering and not entering and who, <laughs> it just seems more than a little bit crazy. Yeah, it sure does. And then uh, in Congress, there's still a battle over who should be the uh, uh, Speaker of the House. In other words, when the Republicans have taken over uh, the House and uh, Kevin McCarthy is uh, at the front of the line asking for the position, but he's got enough significant opposition uh, that he hasn't been uh, uh, conservative enough when he promises now to be. and and people are saying we want someone else and and that's going to be a test but but mccarthy's trying to get more conservative and he said first thing we're going to do is we're going to look into hunter biden and joe biden corruption we're going to look and we're going to repeal that eighty-seven thousand request for more irs agents they're just going to go after middle america and do more censorship and intimidation of conservatives mccarthy said that's what we'll do we have to hold this administration responsible and we're going to investigate COVID and we're going to uh, see that the uh, uh, law enforcement doesn't go after uh, political opponents like it has been. And and that's what we're going to do. But uh, he hasn't got the job yet and we'll see what happens. Yeah, that vote expected later today. Um, I've heard that what he can only have four defectors within the Republican ranks. If he has five, he won't have the votes necessary unless a number of Democrats would switch over. I guess a number of Democrats would cast votes in his favor. And um, that's unlikely to happen in this day and age that they would participate on the other side of the political aisle. But it is interesting when you see that he he has the support of nearly every other Republican other than when you said significant opposition, it really is only, it's probably fewer than 10 yeah. that are either undeclared or have voiced opposition to him being yeah. House Speaker. But I mean, so it's, only, it's, it's, what is that, probably 10 to 15% of the entire caucus? Yeah, but I mean, they're significant in their vigor. They mean business. Yes. They don't want him. I wonder what the effects of that would be if he were not to gain the Speaker position and whether or not that would take away from any momentum the Republicans might have in taking over the House and make it even more difficult to mount a significant uh, challenge to the Democrats controlling the Senate and the White House. Yeah. Well, the Republicans want payback and vengeance and to stop the deep state and to stop the left-wing wokeism, and they're serious, and they just don't think McCarthy can do it. Uh, The deep state is so deep that he'll be cowed, but uh, anyway. Um, Mayor Lightfoot, she is just a totalitarian. Uh, The the, uh, fatality rates in Chicago are just climbing. Uh, well, they're going to reach into the 700s uh, for the for the for the year. Um, in, in that sense, uh, homicides this year, and now the mayor wants police calls blocked. 
you know, where people listen to the scanners, the police calls, and that's how reporters get their information and educate the public. And Lori Lightfoot, I don't know how she thinks she does it, but she's got, she's 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 banned uh, the police uh, scanners from the public view. And uh, uh, journalists are outraged. She wants to censor. She wants to cover up the disaster that she is running in Chicago. But uh, uh, she she wants uh, that uh, police scanner transmission stopped, to, so reporters and the public can't know what's going on. That's just terrible. And so much for transparency. Yeah, uh, yeah. They encrypt the channels is what they do. So you hear, you know, gibberish instead of words over the radio scanner. And there are some. There is some law enforcement in Minnesota that does encrypt. And, and there are certain situations. I actually believe that it probably is appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, when, yeah. when they're doing a takedown of a high-risk offender who very well could have a scanner, that the traffic could warn them of an operation, you know, drug trafficking, what whatever it may be. But sure. when you're investigating a normal investigation into, let's say, a homicide, a carjacking, an armed robbery... Uh, the crime has already occurred. The danger to the officers is not present at that point as it would be when you're conducting a search warrant or or some action like that where the risk of having some ability to have forewarning by the criminal suspect creates additional danger for the officer. Uh, when it comes to the investigative side of the crimes that she's talking about, there's no other reason to do it, in my view, other than, as you said, shield um, shield the public from having the ability to access that information. And right. as you have seen on social media, these these sites, these, these people are largely volunteers who are manning these scanner uh, stations 24 hours a day and posting the information about what's happening with law enforcement in their communities have become very popular. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's the same case in Chicago where that thing must be the, the police ch- channels must be just going nuts all of the time. Sure. Well, Biden is absolutely paranoid and he hates the opposition. He hates Republicans. He hates conservatives. And now uh, it seems this this from BizPack Review, he doesn't trust his own Secret Service agents, they say because many of them are MAGA, many of them are Trump supporters. Cops usually are conservative. And uh, and Biden uh, doesn't like it, and, and he's he thinks uh, some of his Secret Service people are a threat to him. He doesn't trust them, uh, according to Chris Whipple, who did some research and found out some things about this. Uh, and uh, <laughs> he's probably correct, too. The Secret Service agents are mostly white ex-cops, many of them from the South, and they are mega. <laughs> so he doesn't trust his Secret Service. <laughs> wow. That alone says something. Um, yeah. Um, I was going to really quickly mention, I read an article while the holidays were going on, actually Wall Street Journal. Um, I always like to bring this up because I love folks who analyze what's happening in our country as far as the political debates are concerned who who, um, who come forth with some ideas that actually shed light on it and and this person who wrote this piece said it's not really a 
red-blue divide in our country, meaning either conservative, liberal, or Democrat-Republican. It is a divide between what he called the civil plurists and the political zealots. Mm. And uh, right now, through social media and the way election money is flowing, it's those who are the zealots who are largely controlling the debate in this country, shouting at each other like it's reality TV or something like that. While those who are uh, more civic-minded who wish for the great debate of ideas and the persuasion, uh, the use of persuasion to uh, move forward proposals um, are, I guess, biding their time at this point. Um, because the other side, it's more of a pursuit of pure power as you're looking at the zealots. And actually, uh, they have more in common with each other than than even those divided along political lines among the plurists that the um they in in that they do not trust the people to make decisions so they feel that they need to make the decisions on behalf of those people meaning the state in order to gain power and uh whatever that may be uh, whether it be violence or uh uh the tone of political debate that uh, hinders other people's participation in it uh, if that what is what it takes to uh, move forward their agenda and I, I just thought it was an excellent piece and it, it was worthy of reflection well it is and it does mirror what's going on that uh, the the people who would censor the people who uh, have talk about misinformation disinformation they they really don't trust the masses uh, with information. They don't want them to hear the wrong things. They don't trust their judgment. And it's really the masses whose judgment I trust and not the bureaucrats. But th- that fits their uh, rationalization for censorship. Yes, it does. Exactly. We do have to take a break. We'll do that and come back with more of Rochester Today with Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell. It's News Talk 1340 KROC AM. And at 96.9 FM. If you're like most Americans, you can see things. It's Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. We are back. Last few minutes of Rochester today on this Tuesday. Tom Ostrom, this is where we usually talk about foreign affairs. Tom, what do you want to start with? Benjamin Netanyahu, a very conservative uh, man, has been... uh, Uh, voted in to be Israeli prime minister again. He's had that post many times. And he is hated just like Trump was for being a conservative. You got the mass media going after him. They're calling him an an extremist. Uh, They're worried that he'll be too tough on the terrorists and and the Palestinians. And they're just making him dangerous. They're calling him an extremist, an ultra nationalist, just the same kind of stuff that they go after Trump for the, the liberal media. Uh, but he's back in office and uh, he's going to take charge and uh, Trump and Netanyahu had a great time with it uh, with a relationship Obama didn't like Netanyahu and 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 uh, Biden doesn't like him but uh, the Knesset uh, has the, their parliament has him in charge now and the liberal press there and here uh, doesn't like him and uh, the man has so many well 
I wonder how many of his nine political lives he has li- used up because he, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, they'll, they'll lose power and it'll seem like, okay, it's time for Netanyahu to exit stage right. And then he, he comes back stronger and he'll, you know, he'll probably be here for the next couple of years and then something will happen and he'll be driven out because he's fallen from favor. But then, of course, with Israel and their tenuous situation, the people will once again look to uh, look for strong leadership against both the Iranians and the other forces aligned against Israel. And there he is, standing in the wings, ready to go. But the crime, ultra-nationalism, in other words, national pride, national uh, unity, and he has the right-wing religious groups uh, supporting him and others. But anyway, he could... And then the Ukraine has suffered uh, uh, New Year and New Year's Eve uh, bombardments, and Putin is speaking publicly. Said we're going to win this for the for Mother Russia, and we're not going to quit. And, uh, and 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 so the infrastructure is slowly being uh, diminished by Russia. But the Ukrainians are exacting a toll on Russian soldiers. So so it goes on. Uh, right, about peace talks uh, behind the scenes, but uh, it seems unlikely now. Now, the two of them, Zelensky and Putin, uh, remain belligerent as far as their public faces are concerned. But the Ukrainians did hit hard with the HIMAR missiles and and exacted a terrible death toll on the Russians at a staging point for mobilized soldiers. And these are largely conscripts. These are people who don't want to be there who by law are being forced into the service. And you wonder what the effects of that will be back home uh, where these families will be reeling. I mean, they it wasn't as if they they wanted these young people to go to Ukraine and That's they right. did not necessarily go enthusiastically. And to have them die at the rate that they're dying is, you think it back in the motherland, as Putin would say, uh, there has to be a degradation of his power. But as far as infrastructure is concerned, Tom, they're saying the Ukrainians are getting pretty innovative uh, at um, bouncing back from these drone strikes as far as their electric grid is concerned. They've decentralized it to the point where it's getting more and more difficult for the uh, Russians to knock out large areas, uh, leaving them without electricity for long amounts of time, and they've fortified some of the more centralized power generation area, uh, yeah. units. And when you read about, they, they knock out the Russian missiles, but when you read about it, they'll say missile strike and one person dies. I don't understand how the death toll, the civilian death toll or soldiers death toll of the Ukrainians is so low. How can a missile hit something and only one person dies? And Zelensky is censoring the press and he is censoring uh, uh, critics, uh, but uh, that's part of, uh, I think, security in, in wartime, too. But but it goes on, and uh, I just wonder uh, when and if it'll start. And then there are concerns about who rebuilds the Ukraine and who sure. pays that and who benefits for that. And some people have even tied Biden uh, and, and some of his uh, institutional supporters of being in on the reconstruction and making money from that. So it has also complicated the critics' uh, rail and the and the supporters of beam and we'll see who's right as always we're out of time we can, <laughs> so we'll have to continue this on thursday tom 
We'll know what happened with the McCarthy vote by then, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of other things to talk about. So I look forward to it. Thanks again, Tom. Great to see you after the holiday break, and thanks for listening, everybody. You too. Thank you. It's Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Rochester's radio home of Go.